Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. Come on, everybody in the center section. Hey, Sarah, man, hand me that whatchamacallit right there. The the boom right there, that boom. That boom, yeah, that boom. And the two center sections. That way I don't have to be looking all over. Brother Jacob, get all heavy. Tell you what. We're glory. I cannot get enough water right now. I've been so thirsty lately. Um, before we move on, we're going to pray um, Sister Sandra, Sister Heather's niece Ashley, and her son Costin. We're both, just a little while ago, uh, attacked by a pit bull and hurt pretty bad. And we're, we're praying that, I think Brother Gerald might have made it that way, um, praying that things come out all right. No, Brother Gerald didn't go. I was looking back, you know, you know what I was doing? I was looking right there for Brother Gerald, and he wasn't there, so I thought he'd left and went, oh, he's right here. Everybody laughs at me. They're doing all right? All right. <laughs> they could be able to get the blood out of the carpet of the car? Hopefully so. I'll tell you what, pit bulls are rough. <laughs> rough business, man. I mean to tell you. Now, I know I know the pit bull. <laughs> I know who it is. He looked at me at the tip meeting like he would like to take an invite of me. Amen. Amen. Let's pray right now. Jesus, in your name, I pray, Lord, that you will touch them, touch Ashley and touch Costin right now. Also, Lord, touch Joshua and Marissa right now. Help them, Lord, I pray. All that are not here, keep your hand on Juan and Christina. You know, they've been sick, Lord. We pray that you will keep them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, goodness. God is so good. Amen. We uh, had a little bit of a change on the date of the dedication because Brother Connor, uh, he, he didn't realize or they did not realize that that date was 
the day after Southern Youthquake. And it would have been a real big conflict. So it would have been difficult. So we're, we're all right. We're, we're all right that that's everything. They just, I don't know what they're doing. Looking for. All right. We are finishing section four. This on why we need spiritual leadership. We are in lesson 11, which is dealing with the fivefold ministry. Now, I do want to say that this is an overview. It's not a deep, deep uh, or exhaustive exhortation. I think it says that up there for the teacher's note. And there is a more exhaustive, complete study in the Advanced Discipleship Series, which we will probably be doing later down the road. Amen. I love the material that I'm getting here. This is wonderful stuff. I'm enjoying it. Amen. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, the office of an apostle, the distinguishing features of an apostle were a commission directly from God, being a witness of the resurrection, and if I go too slow, fast, just let me know. Special inspiration and supreme authority. There was unlimited commission to preach and to found churches. An apostle is one sent with a special message or commissioning, a messenger or delegate. Now, let me say this. There is, there is a lot of controversy nowadays about the office of an apostle. I won't spend much time on this. But a question that I have asked a lot of people, and we've, we've had these discussions, is we know that a teacher is a teacher because a teacher teaches. We know that a pastor is a pastor because a pastor pastors. We know that an evangelist is an evangelist because an evangelist evangelized. I asked a guy this question today. We know that a prophet is a prophet because he prophesies. Now, there's a little bit, and we'll go into this. There's a little, there's a little more depth to that than just saying we, he prophesies. We know that. However, how does an apostle apostle? <laughs> we know a prophet. We know what prophecy is, both foretelling, foretelling. We know what, and, and we'll go and get all that. But how does the apostle prophet? So there is some. There is some controversy as to whether the apostles, there were 13 that were named in the New Testament, was all of the apostles, or whether it is an ongoing, um, ongoing ministry or office that continues today. I tend to believe it continues today. There's a couple of reasons why, because the scripture that follows Ephesians 4, uh, and uh, well, actually, it, it goes on even further than that. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come together in the unity of the faith. And to a perfect man, and so on. And so, I believe that the work of the fivefold ministry is not finished until the church is perfected. So, I believe that the work of an apostle is still, uh, is still legitimate today. 2 Corinthians, uh, or an apostle is one sent with a special message or commissioning, a messenger or a delegate. 2 Corinthians 8 and 23, whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner 
and fellow helper concerning you of our brethren. They are messengers of the churches in the glory of Christ. Philippians 2 and 25, yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he ministered to my wants. So we see some concept of apostolic ministry going on here. The apostolic office or office of an apostle was preeminently the work of founding churches, upholding the church by supernatural power, especially bestowed for that purpose. We find that you had in the early New Testament church, you had apostles traveling from city to city preaching the gospel. They would establish churches in the city and leave an overseer to continue the work that he had begun. At various times, the apostle will return to the church to strengthen it by his ministry. The epistle, in many cases, are letters from the apostles written to churches to address issues within the church. The apostles had unbounded authority to settle these issues. Now, let me, let me give you a couple of things that I do feel about apostles. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry out in the church world nowadays likes to call themselves an pro- apostle. I am an apostle, so on, so on and so forth. Anytime, I would say the majority of the time, somebody comes and calls himself an apostle. More than likely, they are not an apostle. Just to be perfectly honest with you. It is a, it is a sense, it is because of a sense of pride. But I have known men that I would say were apostles because of what they did. Um, most of you, except for sister, my wife, uh, and Sister Anna, Brother Lorenzo, Brother, I don't Sister Tracy, you might remember, Brother Don Eichert. Brother Don Eichert, I believe, was an apostle. He went in, he established works, and he established a church in Kenya, in Uganda. He went in and worked as a, an apostle, if you will, in the church in South Africa. I believe that he was an apostle. Everywhere he went, he built churches. And he, and he did the work of an apostle. Um, I believe Brother Billy Cole was probably an apostle. I tend to believe Brother David Bernard would fit the criteria of an apostle. I tend to believe that Brother I.H. Terry is another one that would fit the criteria of an apostle. Some of these men, I know you don't know. That's all right. If you want to know about them, I can tell you more about them. But I believe that, that these were men that fit the criteria of the apostle. None of them, none of them put on, when somebody, when they were going to preach somewhere, they didn't say, I'm Apostle I.H. Terry, or I'm Apostle David Bernard, or I'm Apostle so-and-so. They never said that. They never said that. But their life, their life showed that type of ministry. And so, typically, like I say, um, those that, that pass out, pass out uh, cards that say Apostle so-and-so, they're probably full of beans. But anyway, so. <laughs> Did we skip a page? I don't know. Okay, we'll go back to two. Just give them a little, a moment there. We're going to. All right. The office of a prophet. 
The prophets were preachers and expounders under the immediate influence of the Spirit. Where, where did you end up, Sister Anna? All right, go ahead. No, that's not it either. Move back. Go, go back before that. They go back before that. Yeah, keep on moving. It was right. Okay, get back to the office of a prophet. Okay, go to the next one. <laughs> okay, we'll wait for a minute. All right, yeah, we're in good shape now. All right. Warm, 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 hot, hot. Yeah, there we go. The prophets were preachers and expounders in the immediate influence of the Spirit. A prophet is one who is divinely inspired to communicate God's will to his people. The primary idea of a prophet is a declarer, announcer, and one who utters a communication. Prophets are sometimes called watchmen. In the Hebrew, that's shomer. They're called watchmen. Two Hebrews words, Roa and Hosea, refer to a prophet as one who sees a prophet is one who uh, the prophetical office could be pastoral or that of a shepherd in fact I'll stop right there and this is not in any way tooting the horn of a pastor but I will say this that much of what happens in the pastoral ministry is also prophetic we're not all prophecy if you'll read the the Old Testament prophets all prophecy is not foretelling. It's not saying, uh, Sister Michaela, uh, I'm telling you that tomorrow you're going to get $1,000. It's not all foretelling. She would like that to be true, but that's not all foretelling. A lot of prophecy is foretelling, basically the preaching of the word, warning, exhorting, edification, and so on. And, and much of what happens in the pulpit of a pastor is prophetic. There's a lot of times when I'm just teaching like I am today. There's a lot of times I'm preaching under the anointing. And then there are the times when I feel I feel the spirit of the prophetic on me. Amen. I feel like God begins to move me through a prophetic way. And I believe that God uses many times the office of the pastor to, to work through the prophetic. Uh, and so the uh, prophetical office could be pastoral or a shepherd. A prophet is one who speaks for another. One who speaks for God and his will for man. In the Greek, it's prophetess. The prophetic order, God always provided a prophet for his people. It was a provision of the law, Deuteronomy 18 and 15. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. The prophet was a divine link of communication between God and man. What was the prophetic function? It was part of their commission to show people of God their sins and transgressions. Prophets were pastors and ministerial monitors of the people of God. It was their duty 
to admonish and reprove, to denounce sin, warn of judgment, and call to repentance. Prophets also carried the message of consolation and pardon. Prophets were watchmen that sounded the warning at the sight of danger. Prophets were sent as men, sent to men as ambassadors from God. When a prophet came, he brought either blessing or cursing. Prophets spoke as the voice of God. Their words were God's words. They were always direct and pointed in their message. I'm going to say this, that in the New Testament, there's not a, the Bible speaks of prophets, but it only speaks a few a few places of prophets. I think we'll find that most of the prophetic preaching came from both, most of the prophetic preaching came through apostles, pastors, and so on. I believe the prophetic ministry works through those offices for the most part. But you did have times. Agabus is one example, and there are others that are mentioned of men that worked in the prophetic ministry. Agabus did. Um, you also found people who prophesied in in church, for instance, the Bible talks in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, it talks about interpretation of tongues, it talks about prophecies, and so on. Those were not necessarily in the office of the prophet. Amen. Those were people that were working through the gifts of the Spirit. There is, I believe, a difference between that. There's an interesting thing in uh, Acts when it talks about the, um, the four daughters of Philip that they prophesied. The Bible does not call them prophets. There is one person, if I can remember, one woman in the New Testament that is referred to a, as a prophetess, and that is Anna the prophetess. It's interesting about that, that Anna was referred to a prophet, as a prophetess by the same man that wrote the book of Acts, and that he did not call the uh, daughters of Philip prophetesses. I don't think they were considered, this is my personal opinion, I don't think they were considered prophetesses. I think they were considered people who prophesied. Is there a difference? Sometimes I think so. But I don't know. That's, 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 that's up for debate. Anyway, we'll get off of that. But it's interesting. The New Testament prophets and the Old Testament prophets, there's a little bit of a different uh, way that they are approached. And at some point, we have talked about that in the past and we may get into it a little bit more later on. The office of the pastor and teacher. Or the office of an evangelist. Everybody's like, what, what, what? The office of an evangelist. Evangelists were traveling missionaries. An evangelist is one announcing good news. An evangelist is one who proclaims mercy and grace of God as unfolded in the gospel relating to Jesus Christ. Evangelists were especially sent forth for the gathering in of people, preparing the way for the other ministries. Evangelists took the message to those who never heard it. Evangelists were traveling companions of the apostles, Timothy, Titus. They're usually left in cities where the apostles began a church to continue the work. Timothy and Titus also were bishops. Um, the evangelists were responsible for setting the church in order and to appoint or to ordain elders. Pastors, I uh, I think most of that was was the was more the um, the there was evangelist work there, but those folks were also bishops. So we'll probably deal with that at some point later on. Titus one and five, for this cause left I in Crete, talking to Titus that thou shouldest set in order 
the things that are wanting ordained elders in every city as I have appointed thee. Paul did tell Titus and Timothy, I'm trying to remember exactly which one I believe was Timothy, he said, do the work of an evangelist. Now, in the apostolic ministry of the early church, evangelists were used for a different purpose than what we view them as today. Uh, in the apostolic ministry, sometimes evangelists tended to be interim pastors and overseers of new congregations. However, I will say this, that, that what, what we have for many years viewed evangelist as is just some guy, some guy who comes in and preaches on a special service. Which, to be perfectly honest with you, there is an absolute part of evangelism that goes on when you have somebody that comes in, a Taylor Fish or a Joe Gerpoli or a Joe, uh, Brother Joe um, Savala come in. They walk in the spirit. They'll sometimes work in the prophetic, but they're moving and working the work of an evangelist. Um, they do a lot of different things. Uh, you take my nephew Jake. Jake comes in, and sometimes he'll work and work with home Bible studies, teaching, and all of that sort of thing. Brother, um, Brother Joseph Poli, there's several times I've seen where he will go in and work sort of as an interim type pastor to work while somebody is gone and that sort of thing. So you find that evangelists are, are doing a lot of different things. I remember whenever I evangelized for the few times and short times I did, sometimes I went and I got Bible studies. Sometimes I went and I helped them with their Sunday school. Sometimes I went and I helped put roofs on churches. I, I, I was in Texas one time, and a massive hailstorm, a series of hailstorms had come through and hit every church that I was preaching at, and they all had hail damage, and I was preaching for them, and I got to do roofing. Amen. So evangelists do a lot of different things. Amen. And so, the office of a pastor and teacher, pastors or shepherds, pastor is literally a shepherd. He watches over the flock. Three functions of a pastor, the ministration of divine service, including ordering of worship, leading the church into the presence of God, administering sacraments, this would include baptism and communion, preaching the word. Now you will find that a pastor will delegate these responsibilities to people in the church many times. Uh, you, 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 you'll find that that they will have different people baptize at times. They'll have different people lead the worship and so on. But it is because of the authority that the pastor has given them. If you step out of that authority, you got a problem. Amen. I, I know by experience that if you, you, you give someone authority and they abuse that authority, there's a problem. Amen. The responsibility of pastoral care. Feed the flock, instruction, teaching, and preaching. Watching over the interests and needs of the congregation and the responsibility to govern. Pastors are called rulers. That's what the Bible calls them. Church members are encouraged by the word of God to obey them. Obey them, Hebrews 13 and 17, that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Amen. The pastor is to lead, God, lead God's people as God would lead them. Uh, right now we're going to talk about the ministry of a teacher. Teaching, and I'm going to tell you all something. Teaching is essential. This is so important to build 
us up in the truth. Teaching imparts knowledge to the individual believer. You'll find that, that Timothy, Paul told him not only to do the work of an evangelist, but he told him to be, to be apt to teach. He wanted him to teach. Teaching imparts knowledge to the individual believer. Teaching gives understanding and builds spiritual and doctrinal strength. Jesus commissioned his disciples to teach. Go ye therefore, Matthew 20 and 19, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching is the chief responsibility of a pastor. It's an important part of the church. The success of Christians are dependent, is dependent on what they are taught. The purpose of teaching is to equip you to walk with God and overcome the world. Now, I'm going to tell you all something. Folks, sometimes they think, well, we like Sunday service. We like Sunday church. That's all fun and good. We have good worship. We go home feeling good. I'm going to tell you all something. If you don't get the word of God put in your heart in teaching like this, this is so, so very important. Uh, I don't want to just sit here and listen to Pastor Reed. This is, if you'll get this in your heart, the Bible says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So what is the work and the purpose of the fivefold ministry? The ministry's purpose is the perfecting of the saints. To, perf to perfect is to bring into an orderly spiritual state and frame to help each person find their proper place and function. God chose it through the foolishness of preaching that men would be saved. The preacher is not finished working on you until you make it to heaven. God did not give the saints to perfect the saints. God, did, God gave the ministry to perfect the saints. Amen. God gave the ministry to perfect the saints. Amen. The saints need to remember who is doing the perfecting and stay in the role they belong in. I want you to understand something. There are so many things that God intends us to do with each other. There are so many things that God wants us to, he wants us to work in encouraging. There's so many gifts that God gives. Encouragement, edification, exhortation, amen, and, and, and everybody. But when it comes down to the perfecting of the saints, it is the work of the ministry to do that. A lot of times people step out of the authority or out of the place that God has placed them and think that they can overstep the authority that God has placed them under. It is a recipe for disaster. Amen. Amen. It's amazing how people that don't know how to be good saints think they know how the pastor should run the church. I've had people tell me things. I'm going to tell you what. I've had, I've had people tell me things. I've sat there, well, folks that didn't know how to be faithful, folks that didn't know how to be spiritual, folks that didn't know how to, didn't know the word of God, amen, wouldn't know sometimes the Holy Ghost, if it slapped them in the mouth, sat there and said, oh, pastor, this is what I think you ought to do. And being the nice guy that I am, I go, huh, is that right? Amen. Well, I think, well, maybe I'll just, just stop thinking sometimes. But 
And, and this is not to say there aren't those times that, that God has, u- has used a saint to minister in different ways to the pastor. There have been times, especially elder saints, have come to me and say, Pastor, I feel strongly about this. And because of their, because of their authority in the spirit, because of their, um, because of their maturity, I would listen to them. And, and, and God would bless me. And they did not do it in a, I'm telling you what to do. Some of them have come to me and say, Pastor, I just feel strongly about this. That I, I feel something needs to be done about this. Or I feel something that, that, that I'm concerned about. And, and I've listened to them. I've also had a lot of novices come to me and say, this is what I think you ought to do. And, and needless said, I didn't pay attention to them. But anyway, amen, amen. We have people trying to get the moat out of others' eyes when they have beams in their own eyes. The ministry's purpose is to prepare the saints for the work of the ministry or service. This refers to the spiritual service of an official character. This spins the doctrines of the gospel and the operation of God's ministry to them. The laity needs to let the pastor or the preacher minister. God's going to work. He'll work through that. Amen. For the edifying of the body, building up the church both numerically and spiritually, to prepare them for heaven. The church is the body of Christ. It's built through spiritual principles, and it must be led by spiritual men. It is the responsibility of the pastor to give direction to the church and to lead the church in the direction that God desires. The bottom line in reference to the ministry is that they are trying to lead the church to heaven. You'll make it to heaven, it will because you followed a preacher as he followed Christ. That is important. Amen. Amen. A lot of people have followed fellows who aren't following Christ. That are following their own will, following their own pride, and following their own ideas. And they walk away from truth because of that. Follow, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Summary, the gift that God gave the church at his ascension was the ministry of peace and reconciliation. The ministry is the fruit of Christ's ascension. The ministry was God's gift to the church. The ministry has various gifts and functions which are all given by God. The ministry has a designated purpose in the plan of God. One office of the five-fold ministry is not to be exalted above the office other the they are all necessary for the spiritual well-being of the church church needs a balance of ministries of the different offices of the fivefold ministry again we're not going into an exhaustive study on this but we're just doing a quick cover of that they're all god given a designated office and ministry never is a person in a working in a given office of the ministry to be exalted Paul wrote of a man by the name of Diotrephes, I believe he is, and he said, he loves the preeminence. He loves the preeminence. He likes to be on top of things. He really likes to be glorified and honored and so on. And that is not what God intends. He doesn't intend it for apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or teachers. He intends it to be the work of God done in humility, amen, that God should always receive the glory 
If a man seeks to take glory to himself, he is not of God. The fivefold ministry is a spiritual unit working together to bring the church to its God-designed stature. Spiritual leadership is a gift from God. You must have a spiritual leader in order to live for God and to make it to heaven. These ministries were designed to complement one another and to build upon one another to make the church complete. Now, let me let me say this. I'm going to be very clear about this. There's a lot of people. I, I see these folks that they have decided that they don't need a pastor. They don't need a church. They don't need any of that stuff. And and they can do it all on their own. Some of them decide they're going to do home churches. Some of them decide to do going to do this, going to do that. I'm going to tell you all something right now. That is a good way to crash and burn. Amen. We are, can't be saved without a preacher. We are part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is edified and perfected by the fivefold ministry. Amen. And we have to be united together until we're brought together into that unity. Amen. I need, I need the church. You need the church. Amen. 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 And when people, I've seen it. Folks, I, 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 I'm not old. Well, I am kind of old. Comparatively speaking, there's only, I think, uh, three people in this place older than me. My mother-in-law, Brother Soto, Brother Lorenzo. You know, Sister Sylvia might be a little older than me. I'm not sure. Amen. You're not older than me. You're younger than me. Just barely, but you're younger than me. Uh, but I've been around the block a time or two. Let me tell you all something. I've been around the block a time or two. I've seen a lot of things in my life. I've pastored all together for about 35 years in three different churches. Maybe not quite, 34, 35 years. I've been preaching since 1970-something. I got my license in 1980. As a I got my ministerial license in 1980. That is 43 years. And I was preaching for about three years before that. So 45, 46 years that I have been preaching. I've seen lots and lots of things. I've been in hundreds of churches. I've dealt with thousands of people. I've seen people do things that are, are can only be described as plain stupid. And then I've seen people who do things that are ignorant, and other people do things that are naive. And the problem is, is that the people who do things that are naive and ignorant typically are willing to listen when corrected on that situation. But people who do stupid things don't listen very much. And, and, and folks come up with all kinds of corny ideas. And all kinds of stuff that they're going to do. And, and it's like it's this great revelation of how things ought to be. And I've been around a lot, uh, long enough to have seen those things come and go in different iterations a variety of times. And most of the time they just crashed and burned. Amen. Like it's, maybe it's not as good an idea as you think it is. And so... But I found out that if we stick with the basics, if we 
unified together as a church, if we teach and preach truth, if we, if we love God and love our brother and sister and love souls, if we live in holiness and we submit ourselves to the hand and the will of God, God is going to do good things. If we get outside of those perimeters, things get a little sketchy. Believe me, I've seen it over and over again. Amen. And then we, uh, and then down the road, after shipwreck happens, you know what the Bible speaks in Jude? It says, these speaking of people who come and are constantly pushing this idea and pushing that idea and pulling at people, bringing division and all kinds of stuff in. It says, these people are, are, are spots in your feast of charity. And the very word spots means, is spilos in the Greek. And what it means is they are reefs, hidden rocks or reefs in your love feast or your, your service or the, the body of Christ. They're like something that a ship is coming along and it crashes on it and it causes shipwreck. They're spilos, they're reefs underwater, hidden. He says there's spots in your feast of charity. The concept of that is that sometimes people come in and they get into influence and they begin to deal with things. But in reality, they're hidden reefs that will cause shipwreck. So you just stick with the basics and you stay away from the rocks. There's a reason why God put the ministry in the church is to keep us steering. I, I heard something the other day and I'm going to close because it's time to close. I heard something the other day. And I, and I studied this out a little bit not too long ago. The, uh, the, the Titanic, there's been a lot of stuff about Titanic because of the submarine that went down. Amen. I'm going to stay on top of the water myself. But um, the Titanic, supposedly, what happened was, this is one story, is the captain left the wheel and went to visit with some folks, sleep, do something. He left the wheel and he gave the helm to an unexperienced individual who didn't know what he was doing. And they uh, ran into an iceberg and 1,200 people died or 2,000 people died, however many died. The thing is, is that you need a man of God. You need the ministry and in its different offices at the helm, guiding in the right direction. And if you turn it over to someone in your life, that doesn't know what they're doing, you'll get, you'll find yourself shipwrecked. Let's stand and love the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, I worship you, Lord. I love you, Jesus.